Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of The Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to another episode of the Witcher Lorecast. I am not Tom. I am one of your new hosts, Ben of Tamaria. Obviously, I'm always here with the most famous of Witchers, Toasty. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm the most famous of Witchers, but, you know. How, well, I mean, you might as well be on this show. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm one of the most famous witchers on the Witcher lore cast. Very see, specific. There you go. See, it's, 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 tomato, it's a tomato. Niche area, but tomato, tomato. But yes, we are back. And Toasty, where are we going with this week? Uh, we're gonna be uh kind of rounding out. Um, some of the last areas of the continent. So we're heading off to Kovir and Povis, uh, Hinkfors, and Hingorn. Oh, Hingfors and Kingorn. There, yeah. Hingorn. Yeah. <laughs> this this too words aren't in my <laughs> mother language. It's difficult. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're all Polish origin at some point or another, but yeah. So, where are we starting first? Uh, we'll start with Kovir and Povis. Uh, so, the kind of most northwest? That's a west, right? It is a west, northwestern part of the continent. Um, it's where Triss and... Geralt would retire if you go down that route, you know. The best route. The heathen route. I hope that lined up perfectly <laughs> for people. <laughs> it's just the heathen and the best route just together. But anyways, so Kovir and Povis is a hereditary monarchy um, with the status of kingdom um, and the real union of Kovir, Povis, and minor countries. So it's kind of like a combined a little nation up there. Um, it is ruled by House Dyson, um, formerly House Troiden. Uh, its capital is Lan Exeter, which is the winter capital, and then Pont Vanis, which is the summer capital. Because this place gets so fucking cold, you can't stay in Land Exeter in the winter. Interesting. Yeah. Um, official language is the common speech. Uh, they are referred to as Coverians, Coverians, and Coviri. Um, their currency is the Byzant, uh, which I think is the first time we've had a country that uses that right i believe so everything's been like orans and crowns and then crowns um... yeah i think florin was mentioned like one time mm -hmm. yeah. um but in Gunvale, it is the mark um and they have they actually have an interesting like kind of combination religion here so they from the nordling pantheon they have leviota and the eternal fire um, but they also worship Freya from the Skellige Pantheon. So. Interesting. Of th that, That's an interesting hybrid right there. 
Yeah, which, I mean, it's weird to see any of these combined with the Eternal Fire. Normally, the Eternal Fire is like... Shuns everything away, because we're the best. <laughs> we're? Do you worship the Eternal no, Fire? No, well, you, in <laughs> quotations, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, normally, the, yeah, they normally do sh- like shun everything away, like, you know, the Catholic Church, so... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should throw shots on our show. <laughs> sorry. I'm not sorry. I don't care. Um, Toasty has strong opinions. If you haven't figured that out by now on episode 112, well, I don't I don't I don't know where your head's been. Uh, but anyways, the Kingdom of Kovir and Povis, also known shortly as Kovir and Povis, or simply Kovir Kovir, um, is one of the northern kingdoms located on the Gulf of Praxida. It is also the largest exporter of mineral resources in the known world with huge profits from trade. It is ruled by King Tancred Tyson of the House of Tyson and maintained neutrality during the Second Nilfgaardian War, refraining from lending coin or men to either side. Because it is so mountainous, the region is rich in mines. Cover and Povis export glass, salt, iron ore, silver, nickel, lead, tin, zinc, copper, chromium, titanium, tungsten, and platinum. The kingdom... Yeah. (laughs) This is so much. Wow. Uh, The kingdom accounts for three quarters of the world's ferroorum, cryobelt... I'm sorry. Cryobolidium and dimeridium and 80% of the world's gold. Okay, so if you ever want to retire, go to Kavir. You're set. <laughs> yeah, just like open up a mining company and you can just have like a passive income if you want it. Yeah, that, that's that's ridiculous. What? 80% that's... of the world's income, gold comes from Kavir. Yep. Yep, and everyone wants gold. And I'm trying to, I don't know this, I don't know if this is a real thing or if this is a Witcher thing. But Pharaoh uh, Aram, I think it might be a Witcher thing. Yeah, but I think it has something to do with gold, or no, with iron, based on like the um the word with Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I think that's iron, right? So like, I'm wondering like if maybe that has something to do with like meteoric iron. Because we know that that's like a thing that gets done. I don't think you would mine. Well, I mean, I guess you could technically mine that, but um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Like, at least on the a, top of my a head, Google search does not give me any like a, any info of an answer. It looks like, but we know diuranium. We do know that. <laughs> we do that. So, oh, so orum is for gold. It seems like. So, like, I don't know, that's weird. Like, iron, like, maybe, like, a combination. Like, it's a weird, like, alloy of, like, iron and gold that, like, combine to be make a stronger metal or something. I don't know. That's maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I tried to click on the, the Reddit page, and it literally just has the question, and that's it. The rest is blank. So, I, it might still be my internet being broken, because my internet went out today. I don't know. But... You know, if we find a, a legit answer, we'll just say it. Or if time. anything, so. you know, it's mentioned once ever, and that was it. And it's like, yep, yeah, we never 
expanded upon it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I wouldn't even know where to start with cryobolidium, so... Nah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, so their history leads back all the way to the first landing. Uh, so the Dauk and Wozger were the first people to live on the continent, settling in the regions of Kovir and Povis, specifically the duchy, duchies of Narok, Velhad, and Talgar, according to a classification by the historian Arnelius Grok. In the 760s, Nordling settlers began to expand, taking control of the once wild lands. As the lands began to be colonized, the poverty of the locals was once literally on everyone's lips in the form of antiquated common sayings. As recently as the days of Herbert the Quarrelsome, one spoke of a particularly impoverished person as being poorer than a mouse from Povis, called bone broth coviri delight and referred to beggars as praxides after the gulf along the shores of which these kingdoms lie so those they were real poor interesting but like poorer than a mouse from yeah yeah so they were real poor but it looks like they tried to like embrace it i guess or this is like jokes from other parts of the world that started to get colonized they gave them shit yeah from just those just from those like covis delight poorer than a mouse from povis yeah i would say those are um not on good terms with the people yeah so well well Humans suck, so it's not like it's a surprise. Yeah, that's true. They're monsters. Uh, so, but as we move on to the rise of Redania many generations ago, Kovir and Povis were officially made a member of the kingdom. King Radovid I, known as Radovid the Great, handed dominion and title of Koviri Earl over to over them to his hated brother Troiden with one stipulation that he never leave his newly acquired demands and not interfere in matters of state. So he Dang. essentially gave it to his hated brother just to like shun him Get away. Him away. It's like, yeah, yep, I don't need you here. Goodbye. Please go away and never come back. <laughs> Stay up there. Yeah, it's, yeah, well, that's rough, but I guess, I don't know, I guess. In that situation, if you're, like, part of the royal line, I guess there's always that vying and, like, the brother hated him that much. Was he worried about assassination? That might have might have been a good good reason. That, but then, like, you know, in hindsight, this is kind of a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's going to uh, it's going to get that way. Uh, so, handing over this rocky scrap of far northern ground, where the saying went, the year had two seasons, August and winter. <laughs> Which, as a person that comes from Texas, where, like, three quarters of the year is summer, like, dang, that's that's impressive. <laughs> that's, it's August and winter. Um, it was naturally meant as a cruel joke, a slap in the face for the overly ambitious Troiden. Yet, time soon... Prov- proved that Radovid the Great had made a grave error. Before long, it was discovered that Kovir's bare rocks hid priceless treasure in the form of enormous deposits of precious metals and rock salt. 
This discovery, in turn, led to tremendous growth in the productive industry. Mills, forges, and workshops sprouted up like mushrooms after a hearty rain. Yup. So, uh, Redavid the Great kind of got bit in the ass. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I made a grave error. These mm. should have been mine, but nope. Well, I guess it, he's technically still. It's, yeah, he's still like technically under rat, That's like, true. Redania's control. Uh, but maybe that's uh, fixing to change. Uh, Radovid the third decided to correct his famous forebears mistake and take back the northern frontiers of his kingdom. So I guess he just, I guess he just he didn't they didn't have control. It was the, under their control, and then he just kind of handed it off and said, "Go away, mm-hmm. have your own little small kingdom." Um, he was convinced the combined armies of Redania and its then ally Kaidwin, ruled by Binda, would quickly bring this ever more audacious audacious vassal led by Godovius in line. Yes, Godovius was the ruler at the time. History took a different turn, however, and Kovir won a resounding, crushing victory over Redania and Kaidwin. That's impressive. impressive. But, like, you know, with all those precious metals and ores and workshop forges, I'm sure they had well-enough established, well-armed equipment. Yeah, well, I mean, also, like, if we come to think about just these, like, uh, a lot of, like, northernmost locations or whatever, if you're coming from a more, like, temperate southern, like, climate or whatever, that 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 weather is pretty harsh and is always detrimental to your troops because mm-hmm. it affects them greatly in how they perform. Heavily mountainous region that they know much better and, like, you can you can kind of like fight a massive army with like a very small force if you're like using like a mountainous terrain to your advantage, especially a hard to navigate one. You know, you lead them into like an area with like hardly any space, like they can't maneuver a giant army in there. They're just forced to kind of funnel through. You can you can kill a force off real easily with just a small a small group at that point. So there's, there's a lot of things it sounds like were in their favor. Um, but Radovid III was forced to sign the first Treaty of Land Exeter, granting Kovir independence while binding it to eternal neutrality, a promise Troidan successors have kept with great diligence. So they get their own area, but they can't, like, they have to stay neutral. And perfectly honest, like that's probably your best option in general. Yeah. Period. Like, yeah, I mean, you can maintain neutrality by like selling your stuff to both sides, right? Like, that's so you just make a profit. Yep. <laughs> but uh, this ruling line is uh, fixing to change. So, after the death of Gerard Troyden, the line of succession passed to his grandson, Estheril Tyson. In the Second Northern War, under the rule of Estrad Tyson, Kovir and Povis kept neutrality, provided a, providing a safe haven for refugees fleeing conflict. Even Estrad's untimely demise did not stop his lands from developing and blossoming under his extreme free market policy. Coviri, Coviri metallurgists 
proudly competed with the best Mahakam could offer, and many believe the University of Lanxeter long ago surpassed the famous Oxenford Academy as the leading seat of higher learning in the North. So it has come to pass that over the course of a few generations, the Coviris and Povisites have turned from paupers into princes, from beggars into bankers. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. And then just knowing the fact that their forges and their metalwork and everything rivaled Mahakam, which dwarves are notoriously known for being great forgers. Yeah. And then, you know, them becoming rich. So, and... Going from being beggars to print or like to bankers, pompers to princes, it makes sense that they would at one point rival rivaled Oxenfurt. Yeah, especially they're they have kind of this like very like I'm imagining like a much like smaller but like could put more effort into the quality of like learning and stuff like that for right because I mean Oxenfurt is like real popular so like you get a lot of people running through but um there's also i think a lot of relying on like it's much larger i would assume and relying on like the kingdom of redania to really like fund and keep it going and i mean covert but they're just they're just fucking rich yep you could probably like funnel like i don't know like a 64th of like like a very small amount of their income into this and they'd still be good because how much money they have. 80% of the world's gold. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yep. They don't even have to try. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So as we normally do, we do the, uh, the, the emblems of the nations or whatever. So stuff's about to get um, weird in descriptions. (laughs) Um, we're none of us. None of us here are experts in heraldry, so you know there's <laughs> no, a lot of words. No, I had to Google all. some words today <laughs> to figure out. I learned a new color today. Can you believe that? What? Yeah, there's we'll not, get to that. <laughs> there's not red, yellow, and blue. There's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, but not for these, luckily. Uh, so the first known coat of arms and flag of the kingdom of Cover and Povis used at the time when the realm was officially recognized by Redania and Kaidwin consisted, among others, of Redanian eagle and Kaidwin unicorn. So very specifically, it's like it was a shield with like um, and on the shield was like they had like the the four quadrant thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the top left, top right, it was the Redanian eagle. And then the bottom left, top right was the Kaidwini Unicorn. So nothing too complicated there. Um, after the throne was inherited by the House of Tyson, the Redanian and Kaidwinian symbols were removed, and the currently used arms have been created during the reign of King Baldwin Tyson. Uh, originally, the, the flag of the kingdom was reds and yellows with the eagle and unicorn. The color scheme was apparently preserved after the change of the dynasty, dynasty but the heraldic animals were replaced with the house of tyson coat of arms the armed arm uh so uh the new one it has the like 
I don't even know how to fucking describe it, bro. Um, it's such a weird thing. Um, but we'll we'll just read it. Um, and I don't know how to describe how this looks um, at, past that. But recent arms, quarterly one ghouls in armed arm argent. Armed arm argent. Dear God. Um, House of Tyson. Two, argent bindlets sinister vert a pale sable with the principality of povis uh three perfess indented argent and azure the duchy of narok and four ghouls demi eagle argent uh margraviate of talgar i i have no words for that like at all yeah it's 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 a weird it's so strange so um i don't think specifically we have like a full like description of that because the one that it shows is i think it shows the uh based on literally my experience doing the national emblems on this show um the argent and azure at least the knowing that azure is blue um it looks like a specifically it is like blue and white with like a like kind of zigzag going in the middle of it, mm-hmm. assuming to do like something for mountains or whatever. Um, an armed arm. I, I don't even know. Actually, I don't know if this is one or two. I'm going to assume it's actually two. The Argent Binlet's Sinister Vert, a pale sable. Um, it looks like it's two columns that are like like with that are white with like green stripes as if like i don't know like a candy cane kind of look so um at the other two i don't think it shows because the shield specifically the most updated one we see is like it has the redanian eagle and the unicorn still on it but we know that those are removed so yeah so it's it's just wild it's just wild yep but anyway <laughs> but anyways, uh, at this point, we're going to take a quick mid-break, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. Alright, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore. And at this point, I do want to thank all 11 patrons. Uh, thank you so much. And a shout out to our higher vampire, uh, Jared M. And apparently I'm still on it for this month as well. So, that's but... What, that's what it says. That, that's what it says. says there. Uh, when you sign up on Patreon, you're there for the entire month. And I was on this was on the show until last week, so I'm still on for this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a review, a review to read. 
from Ben0235 uh, from the United States on from Apple. Five stars, great show. These guys do a great job, thoughtful, and in- interesting conversation points with each episode. I found myself looking forward more to the commentary on the Netflix episodes than Netflix episodes themselves. Hosts are incredibly non- knowledgeable and charismatic. Why, thank you, Ben. And and great name, but you have two ends, so you have one. You you have one end more than me. From you, Ben. <laughs> true. This yeah, is yeah, true. Yeah, you'd be distinct here. Yeah, you know, that's just that's just the rule. But I think it's funny because I think if there's been a few like times where people talk, like people seem to enjoy me being angry at the show a lot. <laughs> And like, there's a lot of points where like, I'm like, no, like I, like I thoroughly enjoyed these parts or whatever, but then there's some parts where I'm just really angry. (laughs) I think that's what people look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting now that I'm on the show and because we're pretty much aligned in a lot of points. This is gonna be a lot more anger. Twice <laughs> the just, anger. Just twice the anger. <laughs> I'm I'm so dreading that. But anyway, uh, but we do have a uh, Spotify uh, comment on our season three patron reactions, which is you can actually hear me grovel about season three. But uh, this is from Bats Flying the Night. You uploaded on my birthday. I have been listening to this podcast from. August 21st, 2023, to when I'm writing this, September 12th, 2023, catching up on all your episodes. Why, thank you, Bats Fly in the Night. So they've only been watching it for like a month? And have you you transpired the whole catalog in a month? That's impressive because I couldn't do that. My dude. (laughs) My dude, do something. I, you can't listen to my voice that long. It's horrible. I don't <laughs> wish this upon anyone. I'm not going to say anything because then the internet will will come after. <laughs> but anyway, oh gosh. Um, but yeah, that that's what we have for the mid break. Uh, but you can also. You can find us on two different discords, the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends podcasting discord, which is the discord I have for my other shows. Um, And if you do want to support us, you can join us on Patreon. You can leave a review or comment on Apple and Spotify. Now, you do not have to listen on Apple to leave a review. You just have to have an Apple account. Um, and I'm trying to think. Which means you can make one and and, and just never acknowledge it ever again. Yeah. And just use it to review your favorite shows. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's all you need to do. Um, is there anything else we should add to the middle of the show? Or is that pretty much it? Yeah, uh, next week we have, uh, our patron chant. Um, I know, already. Um, because of of things that happened this month, we had to skip a day. So only a couple episodes for the patron chat this month. Um, so you still have time to sign up if you want to join us at the end of the end of the month on the show. Um, and sign up on Patreon as a lesson or higher tier. Um, you come on the show. We need to 
talk to our patrons and see what they want to talk about. Yes. The first patron chat I'll be a part of that I'm not a patron. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, you be... still are. But... Uh, technically, yeah, this is true. This is true. But, but what... uh, that's it for me. Cool. Well, let's get right back to it. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. Okay, I know we changed the intro and outro for the show. I don't think I'll ever change the mid-break items because oh, they're, they're perfect. No reason to. They're really good. <laughs> they're perfect. <laughs> and this is the um, one show where I won't get sued on. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> the other three shows I do are very big properties. Specifically, one of them will sue. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, and I think I know which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's get into Kangorn, um, which is a monarchy, um, not hereditary. Um, it is a kingdom. Um, and it is the ruling member of the Hingforce League. Um, its ruler is King Nidamir, which should sound familiar, I think. Um, capital Hingforce, uh, formerly Kangorn. Uh, official language, the common speech. Uh, its demonym is Kangornese, but there's also a question mark next to this. So it's unconfirmed. <laughs> oh, that's seems- lovely. That's so long. <laughs> like, that's such a long. That's too many syllables. Um, and its currency is the lintar. So another, I think, first for for us. Yep, because um, I don't know anything with lintar. Yeah. I don't have a lintar, so I I, I don't know. Kangorn uh, is part of the Hangforce League and the ruler member, and lies west of the Kestrel Mountains. The bra forms a natural border with Malior. Uh, Kangorn was first settled by the Dalk and Walsker people before the first landing, according to a classification by the historian Arnelius Grog. The kingdom was part of the East March in Kovir, but is now allied with Craden and Malior, forming the League. After the first Treaty of Land Exeter, Binda of Kaidwin was allowed to use in official documents the title of sovereign in Kangorn and Malior. Kangorn is currently ruled by King Nidamir. Interesting. So this kingdom compared to Kovir was before the first landing. Mm-hmm. So I think that there was the I think the Dok and Wosker people were supposedly already here or came in with the conjunction and settled and then the first landing brought the arrival of others so um so this is a uh game canon specific thing but sometime before 1271 king hinsult of kaidwin reportedly looted the country killing about 10 about 10,000 soldiers and civilians but Nidamir and the League apparently survived and remained important players in the region. 10,000 is a lot. 10,000 is a lot. And especially, like, 
I mean, you think in like real world aspect, ten thousands in a war is like okay, that's not a whole lot. But this is the Witcher universe where people aren't as like there's not as many like millions of people like there are in the Witcher universe yeah, compared no. to real world. So this is I think a lot. What Redania has the largest standing army at like like. 12 to 15 or something it's like something like real small yeah so like they don't they don't fight they fight in like a handful of thousands they don't fight in like <laughs> hundred thousands large. like what yeah. we fight in <laughs> yeah so um but that's it for game canon um in the far future the weather has changed enough that northern regions like talgar Kangorn, and kaidwin are no longer able to grow certain types of produce due to the colder climate we talked a bit about that when we did our Kaidwin episode way back when. Um, and their constant struggle over the Pontar Valley. Yeah. So that they can grow food. Which makes sense because you can't grow anything unless it's in the cold. Unless it's potatoes. You can grow potatoes. Kind of. Fair enough. Kind of, yeah. Uh, so, not a whole lot of history there for Kangorn. Um but moving on to their national emblem, which is a bit easier to describe. Uh, so their coat of arms is originally depicted a silver griffin on red. And during Night of Mirrors Rule, the color used was purpur. Purpur? Purpur. So I looked it up. It seems like, and it's not exactly the like it's a, it looks kind of like a reddish purple color, um, but it is specifically described as purple as used in, herald in heraldic emblems. So it is a very specific to heraldry color. My mind's blown because I've never heard of a color called purple. I know. I've never heard what? of it either. Um, it's, like, it's, a, his, it's a red purple. Yeah. Um, That's how my mind his, is going. <laughs> um, his archers wore purple and gold. Um, so, uh, and to describe the specifically um, what it looks like, uh, it is, uh, yeah, it is a like silver griffin on this like kind of like not quite purple color. Um, and it's pretty simple. It's just literally taking up the whole like shield. So. An actual easy one to describe. But it's a heraldic griffin, by the way, so it doesn't look exactly like a griffin. It looks like a big chicken. That's true. Yeah. Um, so in the Price of Neutrality premium module, uh, the main character, Deidre Adamain, hails from Kangorn. She is also the heiress apparent for the recently deceased ruler. Currently, her brother Merwin and the sorceress... Sabrina Glevesig, both sit on King Hensold's council, which oversees Kangorn. And we have a journal entry. Kangorn lies west of the Kestrel Mountains and has a silver griffin on a red field as its emblem. The kingdom has allied with Craden and Malior, forming the Hingfors League. The laws of Kangorn allow for female succession. The eldest children, be they men or women, inherit aristocratic titles and estates. Some nobly born younger sons fixate on the laws of neighboring lands and attempt to subvert this principle 
but the law is the law and determines the factual state of things. I thought it was pretty pretty interesting because we don't hear a lot about like female succession. Yeah, we don't. And then we have Queen Meave, and that's true. about it for like a yeah. powerful woman other than like sorceresses. True. And then the price neutrality premium module comes from is that from the TT part TTRPG? Or look it up. I I remember I think it's price of neutrality. Uh premium module for the Witcher. It's oh it's a, specifically a thing for um the Witcher the first Witcher game. Oh I thought okay. So. so it's the first um, Witcher. I don't remember that though. Okay. Yeah, I don't I've never played this, I know that much. So but it is uh original adventure required punishment. It's just I think it's just a little side like plot thing having to do with like Kaidwin and, and them and Kane Gorn, it seems like. So I've never played it, so I don't actually know very uh much about it. It just shows up occasionally. Fair enough. He's writing a note. <laughs> I did. You can see it. <laughs> Um, but that's it for uh, Kane Gorn specifically. Um, we're moving on to the Hangfors League, which is similar but not quite. Kane Gorn is a very specific part of it. Um, so we have the variation of Nidamir's League, since he is the head of Kane Gorn, and Kane Gorn is the capital, or not the capital, but kind of rules the Hangfors League. Um, it is a monarchy. Um, its status is the Federation of Former Eastmarch Kingdoms. Um, so, because it's combined uh, Kangorn, Talgar, like those, I just read them earlier, and now I, <laughs> but anyways, it, it combines like these little smaller like kingdoms all together. Because on the map, it's very specifically uh, is just like put, it is a Decently, like a decent chunk, it's about the size of like Cover Povis, like areas or whatever that is just titled like Hank Forth's, um, or just Hank Forth's. Uh, so it doesn't actually like you would have to go in and like look at the split where things happen. So, um, but its ruler is the Hank dynasty, uh, capital Hank uh, common speech Hank also again, another long one. Um, and its currency is also the Lintar. Uh, so it's formerly on the East March of Kovir uh, and is considered a minor northern kingdom. Uh, the region is situated between the Dragon and Kestrel mountain ranges on the Bra and the Buina. And I'm saying Bra specifically is B-R-A-A. I'm not talking about a uh, clothing item. I'm talking about a river titled Bra. I just want to make that clear. You know how annoying it is to be doing this outline and just like, it's like, do you mean bra? And I'm like, no, I mean bra. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not talking about a brazier. I'm talking <laughs> about a, a river. Um, but during the ancient times, uh, they were, of course, first settled by the Dokken Wosker, um, specifically the lands of Cangorn, Malior, Craden, and Woefield. Um, according to Arnelius Grock, this is historian. Thankfully, thank 
thank you, Arnelius, for giving us this information. Um, so I think I, Wofield seems like it doesn't exist anymore, though, because they were talking about Kangor and Malior and Kraden. I don't think they mentioned Wofield earlier. So They did not. So I think that maybe that's changed over time or has just kind of like... Got absorbed in one of the countries or something like that. Yeah. I wonder if it's like there was beef between and like the other ones could agree to like work together and then Wofield was like, no, fuck y'all. <laughs> so they were like, okay, fine, we'll just kill you, I guess. It seems like uh, it seems like that happens a lot, so... Yeah, you're not wrong. Historically, if someone di- dis- gets disagreed... They uh, eventually get sacked and then just absorbed, and then those two countries then become bigger. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so during the secession of Povis, in which King Baldwin Tyson was overthrown, Kovir lost control of East March, and the land was divided into minor kingdoms and duchies, which were later reunited by Knight Amir of Cairngorm. Uh, during the Second Northern War from 1267 to 1268, like Kovir and Povis, the League maintained neutrality due to the peace agreement signed with Nilfgaard by Nidamir after the First War. This saw a great number of refugees fleeing conflict choosing to live in the League. But you signed a deal with Nilfgaard. <sighs> yeah, but like, I mean... But they don't get stopped. That is, a, and... that is a weird one, though, because they're so far north. That like, is they... true, now that I think of like, Yeah. They're north of all of the big kingdoms. That's, like... I guess if Nilfgaard did, like, you know, stopple through the northern realms, they would be safe. I wonder safe. if it was, like, they, like, threatened them with, like, I don't know, the Scoia'tael or something. Because, like, they, they could maneuver, like, the Scoia'tael up there, maybe. And it seems like they don't have, like, a lot of, like, it seems like they're pretty small to, like, have, like, a big standing army. It's just a lot of, like, civilians and refugees. And, mm-hmm. like, also just the sense of, like, you know, as we know from, uh, like, The Witcher 1, just the state of, is it The Witcher 1? Just the state of things whenever, like, a bunch of refugees are, like, flooding into an area and what that can do to, like, your, like, location. Oh, yeah. Um, especially a small kingdom like this, who knows how many refugees you had to deal with. And, and it's um, interesting that they even signed, like, Nilfgaard agreed to sign anything, because from what, I mean, from all the info we have, it's not like they had anything to, like, gain. Mm-hmm. So, like, Nilfgaard had nothing to gain from, like, signing a peace treaty with them, but, like... It is a weird one. It's weird. It's definitely, like, I think one of the weirder ones that we've we've heard um and but as for their national emblem uh still easy enough to describe um they adopted Kangorn's emblem as their king nightmare came from this kingdom so they have the same silver griffin on purpur uh but uh he then tried to change the silver griffin to a gold dragon at one point, to show his heroism in trying to hunt a golden dragon named Villager Tinmirth. But this was mocked by the others, and so he went back to the original emblem. Oh, darn. 
Yeah. So, you know, for those familiar with the that that short story, I can't remember the name of that short story, but like the three jackdaws who ended up being the golden dragon, villagers in birth, um, and all of that. There was there was the accompanying force of King Nidamir along during that trying to hunt. Uh so <laughs> it was I just thought that was funny. It was just like like we hunted a gold dragon. Let's change it. And then everyone just laughs at him. He's just like, yep. That fine. doesn't exist. No. I can't remember. Was he in, was Nightmare in the Netflix series? In that episode? Uh, I think I, so, but he was like not really important. He was just like, he was like kind of like a side okay. character. I, just, I think. King Nightmare. Gosh, how do I spell this? N-I-E. N-I-E. Demir. Itcher. Yeah. Er, yeah, he's in... Nope, never mind. That's an old... That's much older. Is that from the fucking Vexer, bro? <laughs> oh, the Hexer. Hexer. Yeah, Hexer, not Vexer. Hexer. Oh. Um. um so it looks like... It looks like he's in it a like a little bit. It shows him at the ball specifically. Um, oh, okay. I don't know. I'm not seeing any like anything from his participation in the fight, but I feel like he was there. Maybe he did. He show up later. Like he didn't accompany the full thing. He just kind of showed up towards like the end or something. I Maybe remember. I don't know. I'm going to rewatch season one because I mean, out of the three seasons, that is the season you would should rewatch because yeah, season one is fine. great. Yeah, and at least we know like we can easily go to like, oh, this is the episode for this specific short story. So, yes. Yeah. And that's about all we have yes boy um and then yeah that that's all we got for this episode i guess uh this is where me and toasty will shout out what we're a part of and all that fun stuff toasty where can people find you they can find me here but they can also find me uh i do the cyberpunk lorecast uh, with my co-host Genesis, uh, who you should probably be familiar enough with at this point, um, as well as uh, the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk apostrophe D, uh, with the Fumbling Four and Almighty Crit Gang. Yeah. And then you can find me here, obviously, but you can also find me on my three other shows, the Holocron History, Star Wars Canon versus Legends, with my co-host uh, Teacup. Or you can find me on the Wizard World Lorecast with uh, Nina Kitty and Courier 7. And the Final Fantasy Lorecast with my co-hosts Steven and Trey. All great shows. Fun to listen to. My work schedule is all over the place. So, like, luckily I'm able to have somewhat of a normalcy of recording episodes. But bear with me with some of those three. (laughs) Yeah, if you're coming in recently and listening to his recent episodes, give him give him a break. Apparently, he's struggling. Hey, I have now like Mondays. Now I have to be up at 
be up at four in the morning to get to work by five. Fun stuff. Man, oh. I'm my. That's so rough, buddy. Hey, hey, I'm not used it's to. Not that. like I haven't been doing that for like fucking two years at this point. Hey, and you know what hey. I was doing before that? You know what I was doing before that? I was getting up at three a.m. to be at work at four a.m. for three years before that. Hey, hey, all the jobs I've ever worked, I had to be up by like seven, the latest. So this is the it's new for me. I'm not, not I'm not night owl. I don't normally like you hey, know hey, to, to, get up to early. all the listeners right here. You you know what this is right here. You know what this is. Toasty, not having any sympathy. That's what this is. Okay. And we all know this. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but anyway, that's what we have for this week. Uh, tune in for next week when we come back. Patron chat. Oh yeah, patron chat. Patrons, let us know what you want to talk about because we need we need something fun. Mm-hmm. And then we get to October. Best year of month. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Well, yeah. So. But that's it from us. Yep. And thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. And stay safe on the path. Thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with the Witcher lore. You can also find us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast.